Good morning. Let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we come before you wherever we are, and we ask that you would be in our midst. Because in your Word, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered, I am there with you. So as we, as we gather this Sunday in, in our homes, in our friends' homes, in uh, a coffee shop, wherever we are, God, we just pray that as we read through this passage that we we're going to be covering this morning, God, that you would open our eyes and our, our mind and our heart to what you would have us do as a result. Help us to apply your word and apply it well as we look at this past year and look forward to the next year. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm John Mueller, the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here to our online service. Today we're going to be in the book of Philippians, which is a little bit different for our Christmas series going to Philippians, because our series is called Christmas Isn't Canceled. And so today we're going to be looking expectantly to the future while realizing what God did in the past and is doing in the present. If you have our app, then you can click on the top of the feed there and you can find our YouVersion event. Since you're watching this, you'll have to do that on one device and then watch on another. So today we're going to talk about the work is just starting. The work is just starting. We want things now. No, 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 no. I mean right now. We want things now. Advent leading up to Christmas is a time of anticipation. It's the beginning of something new, but it's an exercise in delayed gratification. When I was younger, my dad loved to open one gift a night leading up to Christmas. So the first year, it was, it was, it was one gift on Christmas Eve. And then after a few years, it got to the point where it was five days before Christmas, we'd open one gift. And I started to realize as a child that diminished the waiting for that moment of celebration on Christmas. The anticipation of Christmas Day now as I have children is, 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 is very much similar. My children occasionally, again, they're, they're younger, they're, they're under the age of seven, they occasionally open gifts when I'm not looking. They can't hold in their excitement because they want to see what the gift is. We want our gifts now. We want change now. We want things to be back to normal now. We want things to be right now the way we want them right now. But God's work is just starting. We truly open gifts every day. Life is a gift. Family is a gift. Friends are a gift. Fellow believers are a gift. So today, let's open the greatest gift the work that will be completed in us. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Get your Bible and turn there. I'm going to read the first couple verses, and we're going to go to verse 11 today, this morning, as we go into God's Word. So let me read that. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of this letter is a very traditional Jewish model. It's got the name of the sender, it's got the address ease, and it's, it's got a greeting with a direct address. It would read like this. 
Paul and Timothy to those in Philippi, peace be with you. That's, that's what a, a normal Jewish letter would, would write. That would be the greeting. Now let's look at what Paul does things differently. Paul makes a deeper conclusion here about the Philippians. And that's what my first point is. God gave us grace and peace so we can be saints. He calls Timothy and himself servants of Christ Jesus. In the, in the first century, servants were not uncommon, but this idea of being a servant was just as negative then as it is now. But it did mean to the Jews to be one chosen by God. They, they were chosen by God to follow Jesus. He calls the people in the church in Philippi saints with overseers and deacons. Now, I know most of us don't really like to be called saints because we're somewhere wrestling with our, our sinfulness. But, but saints here points in the direction of what Jesus has done for believers and forward to what obligations are on us to live it out that what God has given us in Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are set aside for serving Jesus. That's what this means. But most of all, he says, grace and peace from God our Father and the, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just peace be with you. It's not just a wish because the source is God. Grace is unmerited love and favor and peace is the fruit of that. True peace, true peace means you're reconciled to God. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. It's also a product of being focused on the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, Paul knew that we would become new people with new feelings, a new mind, and be reconciled to God. We would have a new worldview. God is working in us to change us to be more like his son. And so we're empowered through grace and peace to love and live like Jesus does. Paul moves into a prayer in verse 3 that I'm certain we all need to hear right now. And this is why this passage is so important, is right here, starting in verse 3. I thank my God in remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, making all my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is, that is literally one of my favorite verses right there. And I, I have to start with a quote as, as I, I discuss this. One of my seminary professors said, prayer is God's greatest, is one of God's greatest gifts to his people. Who are we to enter the very throne room of the God of the universe, yet because of the work of Christ, we're able to do so? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that exciting? When Paul prays here, it's a prayer that I hope many of us can pray. It's a prayer of gratefulness, a prayer that recognizes the debt that has been paid and our dependence on God. Paul is not a self-sufficient person. He doesn't live like it. His first acknowledgement comes by thanking God for what the Philippians have done. He's been thanking God from the beginning, before anything else, not waiting for anything, just from the beginning. The Philippians were early partners in the good news of Jesus Christ. They shared sacrificially to support Paul in his missionary journey. They were supporting the message of the gospel going out all over the world. And, and they shared in that and use the word fellowship or, or partnership or partakers. D.A. Carson put it this way regarding fellowship. He 
He said, the heart of true fellowship is self-sacrificing conformity to a shared vision. Christian fellowship, then, is self-sacrificing conformity to the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ was going to be shared. Do you want to get on the train, or do you want to watch it go by? It's really a choice we have every day. We can either move in that direction, or we can move away from that direction. Paul, Paul makes a shift in verse 5 from the facts of his prayers, what, what, what are the facts and the reason he's praying. He shifts to the reason in verse 5. We should be grateful for early adopters to, that seek to have the gospel go out. We should be grateful for those that, that integrate in the church and go out all over the world. Their partnership, and that partnership, is vital for the health of the church. That's why we don't have members at Sunlight Community Church. We have ministry partners because we're partnering together for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. A sign of our faith is the sacrifices we make for the gospel to be shared. It might mean a loss of relationships. And some of, some of us have been rejected because we have shared the gospel with someone. It might mean giving financially in sacrificial ways, in ways that limit what we get so that others can have more. It might mean going to prison and even death because of the disciples, of the, the apostles, only one of them that we know of was, was exiled and probably died of old age, but the rest were martyred. What is the measure of our faith? How, how far are we willing to go? Paul doesn't leave a local church and stop praying for them. It's, it's when the ministry of prayer actually intensifies. Paul, Paul is, is going all around the world, and he still is praying for the Philippians. He prays frequently for the church, and he prays with joy. It's not just an obligation. It's joy that he found in Jesus. Joy in midst of being in prison. And, and we know from his, his account of being in prison that he was shackled by both hands to two different guards. It's humbling to think that we would lessen the bar of what Paul does and we would allow things to kill our joy. Circumstances that pale in comparison to what he was going through. You might be asking at this point, how is this passage in a Christmas sermon series? You might be wondering because there's no baby Jesus in it. There's no, <laughs> what's going on? There's no star. There's no shepherds. Well, verse 6 here is the key verse. It's the hinge that ties the birth of Jesus to his death, resurrection, and his return. And his return that we are waiting for and longing for. And that leads me to my second point. God works in us in all stages of our life. In all stages, not just one stage, not just sometimes, in all stages. Verse 6 here is a lesson in delayed gratification. It's a lesson in patience of how God works. We have a tension if we follow Jesus. And this is, we don't like to think about it that way, but it exists because we are fully accountable. The believer is fully accountable for our spiritual health. But we also, there is a tension between that and the need to fully rely on the grace of God to meet the standard that he has set, the set-apart standard, the holy standard. God is working this year to create a different Christmas. 
one that is focused entirely on him, the luxuries that we took for granted, the opportunities we had, the places we enjoyed, the people we want to see, all of those things have been pulled away so we can focus on him alone. This, this is the story for many of us this year. There's grief from loss. We've lost things. Losing things that we just took for granted just last year. We, didn't, we weren't really grateful because we just always assumed we'd have that. Many of us this year have loved ones we might not see again until they pass away. Some of us are struggling with crippling anxiety. Something that's stopping us from, from being around people or, or even able to, to function on a daily basis. Still others are struggling with depression. Again, from loss. Still others, nothing has changed. And maybe this year, you're like looking around and everything's the same it was last year for me. Or maybe there's people, still others, that, that are holding on to things going back to the way they were. But in all of this, verse 6 sits there. It sits there for every single one of those people. Christmas isn't canceled, and here's why it's not canceled. The celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ cannot be canceled because this, reading directly from verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That, that is the assurance we need. That no matter what's happening right now, no matter how things have worked out, in ways that maybe we didn't expect or want, that is what we need. That God is continuing to carry it on to completion. Many of us need to memorize that verse. Verse 6 here, we need to memorize the verse and apply it. Memorize the verse, apply it. God started a work in the birth of Jesus and has been working in believers yesterday, today, and for eternity. Jesus Christ is returning. The scriptures tell us no one knows the day but the Father only. So this work will be completed on a date to be determined by God the Father. We are called to continue a long obedience in the same direction, as Eugene Peterson would say. Our obedience to God is not for one stage of life, but for all stages. God is beginning, or has begun, a work in you, and he will complete it. But in the present, we are incomplete works. I, I don't know of anybody that really wants to hear that. You're an incomplete work. But we are an incomplete work that God is faithfully refining. We cannot become complete with our own works. Paul continues this thought in verse 7. And so get, grab your Bible, read along with me, starting in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of the Father. 
Now, verse, verse 7, Paul is going back to his worldview. He's going back to his worldview. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you. That's the frame of reference that he has. Our emotions are definitely tied to our worldview. You can see that when we make decisions um, regarding our finances, um, when we make decisions regarding who we're going to vote for. You see that with decisions on how we handle life in general, how we parent, how we deal with marriage and interaction in that marriage. That's part of our worldview. So our emotions are tied to our worldview. Paul mentions that the heart is the place the emotions flow from. He says the Philippians are the partakers with him. It's a partnership. And they've been a part of the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And part of this confirmation, and I know this is hard to to think of in our society because we really don't suffer as Christians like Paul did in, in physical imprisonment. And it's not very often that something happens like that. But in other countries, it's very much happening. Like today, there's countries that have outlawed the assembly of believers. And so there, there's a lot of things with that. But Paul, this confirmation comes from his willingness to suffer for the gospel and lose his life. As well as the martyrdom of many early church leaders. That's the confirmation. If, if you believe something so strongly that you would die for it. And that is what Paul is all about. The word gospel here, the the thing that he's dying for, the good news occurs more times per line in Philippians than in any book in the New Testament. So Paul's singular focus to the Philippian church is the gospel. You need to preach the gospel. You need to share the gospel. You need to go out and talk to others about the gospel. That was it for Paul. He was singularly focused on the message of salvation found in Jesus Christ. Our hearts are going to be affected by all our spiritual relationships. We're going to hold dear those that have come to Christ through our influence or have grown as a result of us discipling them. That is the glue that holds the church together. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Kent Hughes put it this way, the gospel, this good news that Jesus, God himself has reconciled us to himself brings about a precious God-centeredness that we share with other believers. The affection that Paul feels in this passage that he describes is a result of this. It literally means inward parts. It's the core of his being, the affection he felt. It was one that was not destroyed by distance or time. We can have that same affection for the church. It's hard for some of us to even fathom what, what it would be like if we were all left to our own evangelistic uh, opportunities because we long for being in fellowship together with other believers for encouragement. But on some level, Paul here is, is saying, you've partnered with me, but it doesn't matter how far apart we are, we are still focused on the same goal, which is sharing the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul goes into another prayer that completes his thought of this passage. And and that's my third point here. God grants us a flourishing love, a flourishing love that is discerning. We can learn a few ways to apply the prayer of Paul in verses 9 through 11. The purpose of this prayer 
is that the Philippians' love would flourish in knowledge and discernment. It says, it says abound more and more. It's overflowing. It's, it's pouring a pitcher of water into a cup, a small cup. It's just overflowing. And everything, everything that comes out of us is knowledge of God and understanding more about God and discernment about what is best. Love is considered in the Bible greater than faith and hope and is at the front of the list in the fruit of the Spirit. So we are to be recognized as followers of Jesus because we love one another. It's, it says in, in Acts, they'll know we are Christians by our love. It, it, it's, it's very clear. But the only way we can do that is because this love is from God. This love is from God and, and knowledge of him and discernment about what is best is needed to love others like he loves us. Discernment in this case decides what is essential, decides what is excellent, decides what is from God. We can only do this because Jesus has begun a work in us and will complete it. The results of this prayer is that they would become more like Jesus. And we should pray this prayer for each other. Every single verse, all the way from the beginning, we really could say to each other and encourage one another with and, and share in the gospel going out or the good news of Jesus Christ going out. This love is something that grows over time and transforms us each day. When you put a seed in the ground and it grows, it takes time. This love that God has given us, it takes time to develop and nurture in our lives so that we can share that with others. When Jesus returns, it says, when the day of Jesus Christ, it says, the work will be completed and we will be filled with the righteousness only found in Jesus. And who receives the praise and glory? Only God. Only God. If you're watching and waiting for when I'm going to discuss the birth of Jesus here, and maybe you're thinking, I want a Christmas series, you're going to be left waiting with anticipation. Because I want to leave you with this one thought. And I've, I've, I've thought about this all week, and I think this is the most important thing I, ha I can say from this passage. You might be wanting to open your gifts now. You might be trying to tear open the packages. But as many of us has lear have learned this year, the promise is not in the timing, but the promise is in the completion of God's work in us. That's where the promise lies. It's not in the timing, it's on the completion. We need to be patient. So what? You're sitting on your couch, you're watching on your phone, you're doing something and there's chaos in the room you're in because your kids. So what? What, what? what does it matter now? It matters because God gave us grace and peace so we can be saints. We can encourage each other because we have grace. And we have peace in a world filled with so much chaos. And this Christmas is a great opportunity to see that. The, se the second thing is like, so God works in all stages of our life. It's not one stage. It's not some stages. It's not just when I first became a believer. It's all stages of our life. So no matter how old or how young you are, if you have kids, if you don't, if you're married, if you're not, if you're a college student, if you're a, a child watching this, like it doesn't matter. God can use you and will use you and works through you. 
until the day of completion when Jesus returns. And third, God grants us a flourishing love that's discerning. It's discerning. The, the hardest thing I think I've found in my life is not whether or not something is good or bad. It's whether or not it's what's best or it's just good. And sometimes we, we push aside with the tyranny of the urgent what is, what is best for something that's just good. I think we need to realize that God has given us a love that is overflowing to allow us to discern what is best, not just for ourselves individually, but for our families, our community, our church, and, and be able to reach and help others in, in our neighborhood. We can pray for our neighbors by name. We can encourage our neighbors because we have a love that is discerning what is best. And sometimes we'll get lost in what is good or what is eh, what it, or maybe what is great but is not best. And so God has given us an opportunity, an overflowing love that will allow us to discern what that is. So my prayer for us as a church is that that would be what we do, is that we pray and ask God for our love to abound over and over and over and more and more and more until we're overflowing with love to share the gospel in our community. And that we would be discerning what is best for others right now, what is best for us, but most of all, what is best in the big picture for everyone. So, Sunlight, I, I just, I know that we're anticipating Christmas, and I know the timing of everything this year, but my hope, my joy, my, my love is found in the fact that God will complete a work in us. And so read Philippians 1 through 11, memorize verse 6, and may that be an encouragement to you this Christmas season. Because Christmas is not canceled. We are celebrating every day this month, looking forward at, through Advent to Christmas Day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come together to thank you for the gifts that you've given us. And one of those gifts is that you are going to complete the work in us. Let us not forget that in a time where we, we hope the timing would be different or things would have happened differently. And yet, Lord, we know that you are at work. Thank you for the grace and peace that you've given us so that we can be called saints. God, thank you for working not just sometimes, but all the time in all stages of our life. Thank you for the fact that you've given us a love that's overflowing, that allows us to discern what is best. God, grant that to everyone that is watching this. Grant that to our families and our community. Help us to be able to share the hope that we have inside with love that is overflowing and discerning. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.